Hello, welcome to Cornerstone College Ministries podcast. We are the college ministry out of Stillwater Bible Church, and we want to be a ministry that's full of mature believers who are helping believers to mature. You're joining us during our study on Sunday mornings of the letter of 2 Timothy. This is where the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, encouraging him to stand strong in the face of apathy and persecution that he's experiencing. I hope that you are as encouraged as I am as we go through this book verse by verse. So turning the Bibles to 2 Timothy. Um, Last week we saw that Paul had a hefty amount of commands for Timothy. Um, Anybody know how many commands there were last week that we looked at? Five. Who said that? Is that my wife? (laughs) Hey, hear that. So he had five different commands for Timothy just last week. He said these commands in light of, or kind of in the the context of Christ being the judge and the king. The truth is, we're all going to stand before Christ. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn there. The truth is, we'll all stand before Christ, every single person, right? As believers, we're going to stand before him, um, and he will judge us based on how we served him, right? If we served well, we'll be rewarded. If we didn't serve well, we'll lose out on rewards. Um, As unbelievers, they'll stand before him, before Christ, and Christ will look at their deeds, and then look at the book of life. And no matter what deeds they've done, if their name is not in the book of life, then they aren't going to go to heaven. They aren't going to be in the new heavens and new earth with Christ forever. They're going to the lake of fire. So believers' names are written in the book of life. Um, we have new life in Christ, right? We get that life um, by faith in Christ, ultimately. So Christ's kingdom is also mentioned. talks about um, last week, Christ's judge and the coming king, right? Our rewards are how we get to serve in the kingdom when Christ returns at any moment. So the commands were to preach the word, be ready at all times, reprove, rebuke, exhort, all with patience and instruction. Um, this The world's against that, right? all those things. They want to find these so-called teachers who say things that are nice but aren't the truth, right? things that feel really good um, but aren't actually the truth. They sound good to our flesh, but in reality, they're going to let us down. So the world is continually following these lies they want to hear and denying the truth that they need to hear. Today, we're going to see Paul command Timothy with four more things. And then we'll talk about how Paul himself lived a life of faithfulness, a life of standing strong, right? So he'll command Timothy to have a life of standing strong, and then he'll talk about his own life of doing that. So I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to read, actually. Then I'll pray, and then we'll get into this. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 4, verses 5 through 8. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid out for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word, uh, for how powerful it is. Um, I pray that as we look at it, that you would just reveal to us all that you want us to get out of it, that we can be more equipped to serve you and to love you and love others, Lord. Um, that we just edify and build each other up today. Put all this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, you can get rewards for all sorts of things, right? Prizes for competing in something. Right? Um, so I, w- I want to ask and think about this. What was one thing that you were most proud of, right? This award that you got, maybe it wasn't much, right? But you're like, but I got it. Golly gee, right? Um, and you were proud of it. So take a few minutes, talk with a few people around you and about a competition that you won that you are proud of, right? And go. <laughs> <laughs> we won. <laughs> 
Hey, honestly, it was all the freshmen versus like an Alec. <laughs> A crown, maybe I'll get in heaven. <laughs> You ever wouldn't like bobbing apples or anything? High school is really prideful about my academics. And it doesn't matter at all. But but like, take it off your resume. Right? <laughs> yeah. And no one else does it. So. Yeah. That was funny. Alright, so we're gonna come back. Um, anybody have anybody wanna volunteer their thing they're really proud of as, as a kid or maybe last week or something that they're really proud of anything? Yeah. I beat Gideon at Monopoly. Beat Gideon at Monopoly. The man Yeah. Uh, there's someone else over here at something. Certified to be an MT, nice, a lot of work for that, right? A lot of work for Monopoly as well as for that, right? Um, so, Nice. So up here, uh, we're talking about uh, these these men up here and stuff, and how we were really proud of the fact that the reward just internally that we got from um, uh, we we had the last Tuesday we had our outdoor games and um, we had there was the freshmen against the old guys and we beat the freshmen um, at handball. So we were really proud of that. No, don't, please don't clap for that one. Uh, we lost. Very, very badly the next game. So, um, yeah, but you know, it's 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 part of it might be who gave you the prize, right? Why you liked it so much. Um, like maybe your parents or teacher you liked or teacher you hated, and like they had to give you a prize, and you're like, that's right, right, Mrs. Smith or whatever. Um, so whenever you had a leader or a coach you really respected, right? A leader or a coach you ex- you respected and loved, you wanted to please them even more, right? Getting a prize from them, you're like, hey, really good job. You're like. Yes, right. That just felt a lot better, right? To get the prize for the competition to please them. So Paul's going to talk about in this passage about how much he has lived his life looking forward to pleasing God. Right? That's his goal. He cannot wait to see God when he appears because Paul has poured his life out for him. God will reward him with the crown of life. Um, so three things we're going to look at today. Um, look at fulfilling the ministry 
whatever that means. And then Paul's example and then our reward. Those are kind of the three big points we're going to look at this morning. Look at what all this says. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Talk to the contrast, right? It says, but you. Um, the church will start to turn away from the solid teaching, right? So we just, we just saw that. They're going to turn away from solid teaching, and they want to find teachers that only affirm them rather than rebuke, repu- uh, reprove, and exhort them. They turn to people who talk about, about the Bible rather than those who teach the Bible itself, right? So Paul tells Timothy, you need to be different, right? You need to stand strong when those around you are, aren't wanting you to, right? And those around you aren't standing strong themselves. You need to stand strong um, and fall in line with the word, not with the world, right? And he has four commands. He says, but you be sober, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So the first thing is be sober in all things, right? This word doesn't just mean you're not drunk, right? Um, it means that you're self-controlled, right? Um, no matter what is happening, you're not letting other things carry you around. So with alcohol, it just kind of carries you whatever. If you have too much of it, right, um, you get drunk. Um, or emotions can just carry us around everywhere. Um, like, oh, this is exciting. Or, oh, this makes me feel good. Or, oh, I'm really angry, right? And you just let that carry you instead of being sober in all things and actually being level-headed and having self-control. You know, I like these people who just fall for myths and stuff because they, they want to hear what makes them feel good. You want to also analyze it and see if it's true, right? Be sober. See, okay, what are they saying? Does it make me feel good? Okay, yes or no, whatever. Is it true, right? That's what we want to look at. What's the truth of it? So be sober on all things. And he says, endure hardship. This is a command. He's been commanded to do this willingly, but it's for the purpose of getting the gospel to the lost, right? He says in, earlier in the, in the letter, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, right? Join with me in suffering for the gospel, right? According to the power of God. And so suffering for no reason would just kind of suck. Like, I'm going to suffer. Why? Just because, right? I just want to do it. Right? No, but like have a purpose behind it. That's different. Even suffering for an okay reason would still kind of suck, right? Um, but if you have a good reason, right? Suffering for the sake of eternity, Suffering on behalf of people who need to hear the message of eternal life and Jesus Christ, that's going to be worth the suffering. Right? So it says endure hardship. He's commanding him, go through with this, endure hardship for the purpose of, ultimately we're going to see for these next couple of things. So he says, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? Evangelizes. Cool. What does evangelize mean? Someone's like proselytize, right? No, um, uh, evangelize means to share the gospel, right? To proclaim the gospel to other people. So Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, he says. Go out and share the gospel with people. This is not a new command for Timothy, right? It's not like, hey, oh, I should do this. You're right. Um, I think it's actually the summary of this entire letter. It's all summarized in this point, right? Do the work of evangelist. Proclaim the truth of the word, even though everyone around you is being apathetic and falling away. And that's what he's saying here. Stand strong, share the truth of the gospel, even though others aren't. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. Right? Do what you've been created to do. Um, this, this reminds us a lot of Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Right? Kind of even this list reminds us of that. Where it says, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So how many times have we heard that verse? 
a lot, right? Especially if you come to, to the church, to, to this church especially. Talk about this verse a lot. But how often times do we actually like, go into it in depth today, right? Um, so he gave some, this is the verse up here, right? God gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers uh, to equip believers for the work of service, which is to the building up of the body of Christ, right? So that's kind of what this is, this is talking about. God gave people certain spiritual gifts, right? Paul was an apostle, right? Um, John was an um, was an apostle, also a prophet, right? Like revelation is from like John is, was given that revelation uh, from Jesus Christ, and so he was a prophet. He gave us these so that we would have the word of God, right? So we'd have the the apostle apostle apostolic writings and then the prophetic writings. So we have the Bible, right? And then he gives some as evangelists. Maybe that's Timothy. Maybe it's not, right? I don't know if Timothy's spiritual gift was evangelism, but he's commanded do the work of an evangelist, right? So it might be that he, he was, um, had the spiritual gift of evangelism, but he may not have. And he just said, hey, you still need to proclaim the gospel either way. Um, there are people who are spiritually gifted at sharing the gospel with others. I know people who have that gift. I'm not one of them, right? I've done it a lot. I've gotten more comfortable and I know kind of how to say things, but I don't. I do not have the gift of evangelism. But some people have the gift. Right? Um, God also gave some people to be pastors and teachers. Right? People like our head pastor JB. Right? He is the shepherd of the church and teaches the Bible. Shepherds the church and leads the people and also teaches the Bible. So all of these gifts were given for a purpose. Right? He gave these people the purpose being. Um, to equip believers for the work of service. Now, I say believers, but the word in the verse says what? Saints. What does the word say mean? To be set apart ones, right? Holy ones. Um, and so it's to the believers. If you look in the Bible, saints is always synonymous with believers. Um, so he gave the work, uh, gave these people these spiritual gifts for the purpose of equipping believers for the work of service with building up the body of Christ. So the apostles and prophets were given to equip believers for ministry, right? The evangelists were given to equip believers for ministry. If you have the gift of evangelism, you're supposed to be training up others on how to share their faith, right? That's one of the people in the list. We might think apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, but actually evangelists is thrown in there because they need to train other believers on how to share their faith well. Right? That's one of the goals of evangelists. People are given that spiritual gift. Pastors and teachers were given to equip believers to do the ministry, right? Helping believers navigate their lives in a God-glorifying way. Also teaching them the word of God. Teaching the Bible to equip them to do their own ministry. Um, who all is called to ministry? Who all in here, right? Everyone, right? To equip believers to their work of service for the body of Christ. So every believer is called to ministry. Wherever you're at, you have people you're influencing, people you're around, you're called to minister to. We're all called to do that. And so these gifts were given to equip believers to do that ministry. Timothy had been given a ministry in Ephesus. He was one of the leaders there. Right? To fulfill his ministry, he needed to preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And to do those things, he has to be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and by all of that, he's going to fulfill his ministry. Right? That's how he's going to fulfill his ministry. And so we're not saved to then be given spiritual gifts so we can sit down and just coast till Christ's return, right? 
So I'm like, okay, I'm saved. All right, let me kick back in my lazy boy, right? And then just like chill and wait for Christ to come. But no, he gave us spiritual gifts for a purpose. That purpose is to build up the body of Christ, right? To evangelize and then build them up spiritually as well and serve other believers. So how are we fulfilling our ministry? Are we just coasting through or are we doing what God has created us to do? The things he's given us to do, are we using those things? We have all the tools, right? We have the Bible to equip us, a church to teach us, and fellow believers to build us up. And so let's use those so that we can fulfill all God has given us to do, right? So that we can receive the crown of life when Christ returns. Crown of righteousness, right? That's what returns. So now we're going to see Paul's example. <clears throat> but I'm already being poured out. Look at verse 6. He says, um, Timothy, do all these things, right? You have to do all these uh, to fulfill your ministry. Ultimately, that's how you do it. He says, in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul says, I'm dying. Oh, oh yeah. How are you from our ministry? Right? Paul says, I'm dying, right? Paul's at the end of his life. This makes the commands to Timothy all the more important, right? Paul is fading out, and Timothy is who he's poured his life into. Notice that's why we have this little pouring out thing right here. Anyways, so um, Paul's fading out, right? And Timothy's who he's poured his life into. Paul knows the situation that he's in is not going to end in his escape or his being released. He's been captured to be killed. Um, he says that I'm already, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. A drink offering is in the law of Moses, right? Whatever they would pour out a full container on the altar to God. It was symbolic of giving the whole lives to God, right? Like I'm just pouring this all out. Uh, it wasn't a burnt offering. It was, it was a, most of the time it was a big thing of wine they just pour out. Paul has given his life to serving God. He's at the end. He's been poured out. He's been mocked, beaten, stoned, run off, chased down, all while trying to do ministry, all while preaching Christ's love. All of that's happened to him. He's endured all of that pain. But he endured all of it so people could place their faith in Christ and then live for God. That was his purpose. The time of his departure has come. He's lived a faithful life for God. He's getting ready to be with his Savior. Imagine being Timothy reading this letter, though, right? Like you're reading this and you're like, okay, a new letter from Paul. He's in prison. I know it's pretty bad there. He's reading this. He's going through all this encouragement. And then he's like, boom, I'm being poured out. Time of departure has come. Two different ways to say, I'm dying, right? I'm about to die sometime soon. Timothy's known Paul for years, right? You're Timothy, you've known Paul, you've done ministry with Paul for so many years. This man poured his life into you, you've seen him beaten, you've been on the run with him before, right? Proclaiming the gospel with him, and now you read a letter that sent, he sends you from jail, and he says that his time is finally up, he'll soon be killed. There's a cause for weeping for Timothy. You kind of see, like, how it would be to read this letter from Paul. He's finally... Time is up. But it calls for hope for Paul, right? He's looking forward to seeing his Savior, not just seeing him being rewarded by him. He's lived his life, laid his life down to serve Christ, and he's looking forward to seeing Christ. Look at verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul has fought, right? He fought the good fight. He finished the course and he has kept the faith. He's done all the things that he commanded Timothy to do in chapter 2, right? Chapter 2, he says, 
suffer like a soldier who doesn't get distracted by all these things, but wants to uh, please the one he serves, right? He's fought the good fight. Paul talked about in chapter 2 how the athlete only gets the prize if he competes according to the rules. He's finished the course. Paul talks about how the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. He's kept the faith. He's kept the watch over the faith. Maintained it like a farmer maintains a field of crops. That's a, that's a gardening home right here, by the way. Not just some dude who's like a stick. <laughs> um, and so Paul has stood strong for the gospel ever since he converted to Christianity. Right? He's fought the good fight. He's kept going. He's fought as a soldier of Christ. He's finished the course. He didn't just slack off towards the end, but he actually finished it out by the rules. And then he's kept faith. He's maintained his faith and the faith the entire time. Could we say that about ourselves? Could we say... I fought the good fight. I fought for truth and what is good whenever it came up. Every time I was fighting for what is good. Could we say, I finished the course, right? I didn't slack off or start chasing something else, but I've stayed on the course as I'm going through this Christian life. Could we say, I've kept the faith, right? I've maintained my fellowship with God. I've served others as I should. I have fulfilled the ministry given to me. Could we say that? If we can't say that, it's not time to give up. I say, well, I didn't for a little bit, so I'm never doing it again. Right? Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Right? God has you here for a purpose and a reason to continue to serve or to start serving, maybe. If we can't say that we could do those things, these things up here, it's not time to give up. It's time to dig in and start doing what we've been created to do, to love God and love others with all we've got. If we think we can say that we've fought a good fight, that we've finished the course, we've kept the faith, it's not time to give up and be like, whew, I've done a good job these last few years. I'm going to take a break, right? It's not the finish line. When is the finish line for us? Death or Christ's return? When are those things happening? Wait, yeah. death? No, like Christ's return can happen at any moment, right? Our death can happen at any moment. We don't know when our last day is here. So it said that, yeah, I got the finish line, right? Spend the last year coasting and then Christ returns. And then we had one more year to faithfully serve him. And we didn't do it. Right? So keep on going. In the power of love, uh, in the power of love and discipline we've been given in the spirit. Right? Rely on the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And keep on serving. Right? Either start serving or just keep on going. Look what Paul says after this. He says, um, I've done all these things, right? In the future, verse 8, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. So in the future, what does Paul's future hold? But more immediate for him? Death. death right? <laughs> he says, in the future, right, his death is imminent. Right? That's not his focus. When he talks about his future, he's talking about when he sees Christ and the rewards he's going to get. In the future laid up for him, um, this crown of righteousness, which Jesus will give him. The Lord, the gracious and merciful God. Is that what he says? He says the Lord, the righteous judge, right? Paul's view of Christ is not his generosity, but his justice. The judgment seat of Christ when we stand before him will be um, those who have, like, we'll stand before him because of our faith, right? Rewards will go to those who deserve him. Deserve that though, right? So we'll stand before him, right, as a believer. All believers stand before him and give an account for our deeds we've done in the flesh. Um, and then when we're rewarded, it's based on his justice, right? God won't reward someone if they don't deserve it. 
And he won't withhold rewards to someone who's poured their life out. So we can take comfort in the fact that if we're serving, it's not just going unseen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Your toil is not in vain. It's not just for no purpose. God sees what we're doing. We'll be rewarded by him. So this crown will go to those who loved and looked forward to Christ's appearing. Right? I don't know if it's an actual crown or if some sort of status reward given. Uh, I'm not sure. But there's more than just this one crown that believers can get. In fact, JB is going to talk about a crown um, that uh, this morning in his service about believers getting it. So here's kind of the potential rewards that believers get. This is taken from other constables. Um, we see five different crowns here, right? There's an imperishable crown for leading a disciplined life. That's in 1 Corinthians 9. I talk about how I, I disciplined my body, made it my slave, so it would not be disqualified. The crown of rejoicing for evangelism, discipleship, that's 1 Thessalonians talked about. The crown of righteousness, right? That's the one that we're on in 2 Timothy 4, for loving the Lord's appearing, wanting the Lord to appear. The crown of life, which is for enduring trials. Revelation 2.10 is one of the verses we're going over with JB. And then James 1.12 as well, right? You endure trials and give them this crown of life. And then a crown of glory, which is for shepherding God's flock faithfully in 1 Peter. And so these are all potential rewards that believers can get if they fall under these reasons. Right? We can be rewarded in that way. Paul talks about this crown of righteousness for those who love the Lord's appearing. Some don't love the Lord's appearing. Sounds weird to us, maybe, but they know that they should change how they act. Or maybe some of us think that sometimes. We should, I should probably change how I act, right? Christ is going to come at some point. I don't want him to come right now, though. I'm going to get my life together next month. I'm going to get my life together when the time change happens, right? Um, I'll finally have to get up early again, and I'll be fine. Or when the summer comes, or whenever I'm finally graduated, or have another job that I'm able to have more time in, then I'll be faithful, and then Christ can come back, and I'll be being faithful at that point. And so Christ comes back at any time, though. It says, for those who love his appearing, get this reward. So this crown isn't just for Paul. It was given to anyone and everyone on that day when they stand before Christ if they love the Lord's appearing. That means that, do we have opportunity for this reward? Yes, right? This crown of righteousness. <clears throat> do we love the Lord's appearing or do we wish the Lord wouldn't come? Is a question. If, well, I, have a, I have a quote from um, H.A. Ironsides. I don't know what his first name is, or his middle name, for that matter, but it says this. If you are living day by day as one expecting the early return of your Lord, you are not going to be carried away by the trend of the times. You're not going to be yield to the solicitations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right? So focusing on Christ's return, and that he's going to come any moment, we're not going to be like... Yeah, but the world wants me to do this. Because you're going to be with Christ. And you're going to care about what the world wants you to do. These trends of the time, right? these trends going on. We see trends and we think of like TikTok trends. Some of those you don't want to be doing when Christ comes, right? Um, and so we think about these trends, but really it's just the way that the, the world is going, right? And you won't be carried away by that if you're focused on Christ can return now, right? Any moment. Um. We're going to be wanting to be pleasing to him. It'll be one of our biggest motivations. We'll be afraid to partake and to dwell in sin because Christ might show up right then. We don't want to be caught as the last thing we're doing in our mortal bodies being sin. Right? Wouldn't be the, that would be the most fun thing. 
These rewards are distinct from our salvation, right? So we're given based on our service, these rewards. We're saved on the basis of our faith. Salvation is a gift. Rewards are earned by the way we live. But there's no room for boasting even in rewards, right? Because we aren't serving by our own power. And so, um, yeah, we won't be yielding to these things. Now, it, since Christ is returning at any moment, how should that change the way we live? This is open. Should we give up college, give up our jobs, and go share the gospel? <laughs> no, maybe not. I mean, no? Why do we want to give up our jobs? <laughs> The imminency of Christ's return doesn't mean Christ is coming tomorrow. Well, it might. I don't know. But coming tomorrow. If we knew when Christ was coming, then it was like, okay, I got a year. Then, well, maybe, yeah. I just take all my savings, the meager little savings I have, and I'd be like, I'm going to go share the gospel as much as I can every single day going out and doing these things. right? But it could also be 12 years. right? also be 200 years. right? And if... Every single believer was not in the workforce and was just trying to go out and do this every single day and doing that. Like, what's going to happen? Yes, not good things, right? I'm supposed to in the Bible Belt of the South, right? Um, and so this doctrine of emergency isn't to say that I should quit everything I'm doing and just only do this, right? But rather, everything I'm doing should be centered around this. It's not quit all this stuff so I can focus on that, but everything I'm doing right now should be focused on Christ's return. Yeah. Do you think that's kind of like what Jesus is getting at when he was saying, instead of the idea of go and make disciples, like, as you're going, make disciples? Yeah. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, um, all right, it's a great commission, right? Go therefore make disciples of all nations. And it sounds to us like the command is go. But actually, when it was written, or when he spoke it, he said, it's this idea of, as you're going, make disciples. The command is make. The command is not go in the Greek. Um, the, the imperative in that verse is make disciples, right? which is proclaiming Christ training believers. And so as you're going, whatever you're doing, be making disciples. And that's what our command is from Christ. And so this doctrine of imminency, I don't, I don't want us to, to think about it in this way of like, I need to just stop everything I'm doing in my life, but rather reorient what we're doing to be focused on Christ's return. To be living faithfully for him. Yeah. Because even thinking back about that, let's remember Paul was a tent maker by trade. Mm -hmm. And he was this wonderful apostle. I mean, he gave us books and charts, mm -hmm. you know? But he did everything in a way that was glorifying to God versus glorifying. And I think that's what we're called to do too. It's not necessarily drop everything, go out of college, you know, mm -hmm. but do everything, do college, do whatever you're going to do in a way that, glor that glorifies God. Yeah, definitely. And look, his trade to keep yeah, to keep from being a burden on the yeah. people who are there. Um, so I just want us to understand that, like this doctrine of imminency, right, is what it's called of him coming every single day is going to change the way we live what we're doing now. And it might mean a change, right, for some of us, what what we're doing, right. 
uh, and what, what things that we're focused on. And I feel like, okay, well, this really isn't glorifying God, so I need to make sure I do something with my time that is. Right? Um, but we see this, and we see that we get rewards based on that, based on loving his appearing and being ready for that. But there's, like I said, there's no room for boasting even in our rewards because we aren't serving by our own power. Thomas Lee, a theologian, said this, an exception, uh, expectation, sorry, of reward is also a recognition of God's grace. Those who anticipate reward will not be able to boast, look at my accomplishments. They should be able to offer praise to God by saying, thank you, Lord, for what you have produced in me. The very expectation of reward is an acknowledgement of God's grace. Right? Not that like, look, I've done all this great stuff because I love the Lord's appearing. And I served him because he gave me my spiritual gifts and he gave me my community. He gave me my money. He gave me my all these things. So look at how great I am, right? But that doesn't make sense. He gave us all we need to be able to serve him. So it goes back to giving him glory. He gave us all the tools we need and the power we need to serve him and earn his rewards. All we need to do is choose to follow what he wants us to do. He's laid out the plans for us. We need to follow those things. The Bible equips us to do that. We can't boast in our service since the one we serve is also the one who empowers us to serve. All glory goes to God. Praise him for his mercy, his grace, and his judgment, his justice. So we see Paul encourages Timothy to fulfill his ministry. And um, we've been given our own ministry, right? And God has plans to use us as well, wherever we're at. Then we see Paul's example of service. He fought the good fight. He finished the course. He kept the faith. Let's do the same. Then we looked at the reward of the crown of righteousness to the, to the um, believers, right? And one of the rewards that we have as believers. So, some so application. First of all, fulfill our ministry. Right? We've been given a ministry. Use what God has given us to serve Him and others. And understand that God has you where you are for a reason. You have an influence around you that you can use for God's glory. So often we can say, but I want to be there, right? When I'm there, I'll get to serve. When I'm there, but no, you're here now, right? So serve where you're at now. And so fulfill the ministry that we've been given. Secondly, right, pour our lives out as a drink offering to God. This is what Paul says he has done. He fought the good fight, right? We need to fight for the good things of God. Finish the course. Don't slack off. Think, okay, well, you know, I would love other people, but it's finals week. I can't love people when there's finals, right? Like, no, that's not how that works. Don't slack off. Keep that, right? And then keep the faith. Maintain our spiritual life. Oh, I would be in the Word, but it's finals week, right? I would study, but I have a test, right? Like, well, study the Bible, sorry. <laughs> um, I would say the Bible, but I have a test, right? So make sure that we're maintaining our spiritual relationship with God, no matter what season we're in. We should be ready in season and out of season. That's what we saw last week. And then see uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is, um, oh my goodness. Therefore, I know therefore is where it starts, but it's like there's so many times we're therefore. Um, the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is a spiritual or logical service of worship. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice, so he says. <laughs> which is your spiritual um, service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you might prove what the will of God is. And so he says, don't be in the word, right? He says, live your life as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, and then be in the word. The two things, main things in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's the same thing that we see here, right? And then thirdly, let's look forward to Christ's coming. It can happen at any moment, 
So prepare for the appearing of the King of Kings. He'll appear at any time. We'll be prepared for that. Or we'll be caught off guard and not only really wanted to be there or shrink back in shame because we're sinning and we haven't made time for him in the past two years or whatever it may be. So we're going to have some time for discussion. We have about 10 minutes now. Um, but first of all, before we get into that, any questions anyone has? <coughs> Is that a hand raised? It came to my mind just now. It's just Okay. I feel that. All right, so that's discussion time, right? So um, getting, we're going to get into groups of um, about four people or so, um, guys and gals split, and then say, what do rewards encourage you? Wow, no, how do rewards encourage you to fulfill your ministry? What applications resonate with you from this passage? What things do you see in this that really resonate with you? So I'll pray, and then we'll split off into groups of four or so, four or five. Lord, once again, we come to you thanking you for all um, of your justice, all of your glory, and all of your grace that you give us. By grace, we're saved, and by justice, you reward us. And so I pray that we would live, live lives that, that live up to that justice, that way you judge us. Thank you.